So grab your Bibles or click it open, whichever way you, you'd like to look at. We're, if you want to mark two spots, we're going to be in John 5, but we're, we'll also be in Revelation 20. So but we'll start with John 5. And thank you for your prayer, Natalia, because I mean, it's, it's really true. This, uh, I want to talk to you today not only about the judgment of God, but also about, more importantly, the mercy. Um, the mercy of God, the love, the love of Christ, and, and the blessing that we have in that. Uh, so let's, let, me just, let me just pray, Lord, please share with us. Please work in our hearts, wherever we're at, whether we're struggling or, or today's a great day, or, or whether we're trying to follow you, Lord, in a life, of, a life of servitude to God, and we've been at this for 50 years, or we're not so sure whether you exist or you're real. Wherever you find us today, Lord, speak to us, reveal yourself to us. Um, make us more, make us your people more than we were when we, when we entered this morning, Lord. Draw us nearer and closer with you and help us to know you more, not just know about you, and to walk with you and follow you. And this is my hope and my prayer, Lord. Amen. So before we jump in, last week, if you weren't here I'll try to catch up a little bit. So we're going through the book of John here on Sunday mornings. And we say that, I say that uh, with kind of an asterisk there because sometimes, based on what we see in John, we take little detours or whatever. I like to feel that the Lord, the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, let's, let's stop and, and look at this a little bit rather than just rushing through. Because we operate under the stance, if we finish this book of the Bible, what will we do next? Another book of the Bible, right? So... Why are we in such a hurry to finish one just to do another? So we want, we want the Lord to teach us whatever he has for us in this. But we took a little detour from John 5 where he began to talk about Jesus as the one that would judge the world. And we looked into Revelation 19 and 20. And of course, anytime we do that, people are excited because we know the world's wrong and we long for it to be set back. To as it should be. So we get excited about the end times. It's a great thing for us to fight about or, or get excited about or, or to focus on so we forget that right now we have a job to do, right? It's easier. Oh, yeah, let's, let's talk about that rather than what I'm supposed to do today. Uh, so we'll be back in those sections of Scripture today. But I wanted, I wanted to give you this from James, the half-brother of Jesus. He wrote, but he, who's he? Who do you think he is? God, yeah, Jesus, God, yeah, okay, good, okay, you're waking up, this is good, so if, if you're not used to me, if I ask you a question, I really want you to answer it, I don't want you to just think, so let's try again, but he, who's he, okay, awesome, yes, there we go, but he gives us more grace, that is why the scripture said, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble, okay? we're going to encounter a lot of people and in our, in our lives, and in our fellowships with one another, in our interactions with one another, where we might look at the scripture and interpret, interpret a little bit differently. Okay? Now, I just have to tell you, nowhere in Revelation does it say, the one who interpreted the letters right gets this special place in heaven, and this person, here's a pit for you. Okay? But yet, that's how we act. Our God says this, our God opposes us in our proudness. So if I come to you with certainty to tell you how it's all going to end, if I come to you in pride and certainty to say, I can explain the unknowable God who lives outside of time, and I can explain it to you in the confides of time and be right, 
That's, that's pride. And, and the scripture is pretty clear. If I'm so proud that I think I know the answers to everything about God, and that I might not be wrong, then I think God's against me because I'm proud. So I come to you humbly and say, I'm trying to explain God to you. Whoa, right? I'm trying to put in the confines of time and human understanding God who is not inside time, who created everything, right? Is outside of time, who created time itself. Yeah, we're gonna have to, I'm going to have to drink some water after that. Let's just, but I, I'm just saying I don't know, and I'm okay with not knowing. Because guess what? That's me humbling myself, and it tells me right here, I'm going to get God's favor by doing that. And if I start getting proud, then I'm making myself an enemy to God. Which side do you choose? Humble, please. Right? Okay. Back to John. John 5. Jesus is speaking. Verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. There's a lot we could talk about here. Truly, truly, like, listen, listen, I'm telling you the truth. Pay attention here. I'm saying to you that whoever hears, right? Whoever hears and, and whoever's hearing and understanding what God's revealing to them, and he believes God has eternal life now. Now, the, the audience, he's starting not to make so many friends with some of the things he's saying, right? So we see Jesus here. And then he goes on to say, he does not come into judgment, but passed from death to life. Not passes in the future, past. And so this is when we start getting into mind-melting, confusing times, because Jesus keeps talking about these things in terms of that they're happening, or they've already happened, and they will happen at the same time. Do you see that? It's like, whoa. So then it goes on to say, truly, truly, I say to you, the hour, is, here's another one, the hour is coming and is now here. That's kind of weird, Scott, don't you think? Like, the hour is coming, but it's here? You're dying, always dying. Yeah, you see these, you see these, ha- these realities are happening in Scripture here. Is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who here will live. So just for, just for giggles, I, I went ahead and duplicated that, and I just made more bold a couple of the words here. Truly, truly, I, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here. What's that mean? What do you think? What's that mean to you? Eternity doesn't have a beginning and end because Jesus is here. He's here, right? He's here now. and Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Some will hear now and some will hear in the future. Yeah. What's that? It's imminent. Yeah, so you see that? It's like, listen, there is a time coming, right? But it's also right now when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. And those who hear will live. So if that's true, in the future, not right now and in the future, some that are dead will hear what they're calling the voice of the Son of God, and they will live. 
before, to understand that, I think we can't forget this. Please understand, every one of you exists, and myself. We exist not only as a body, as a physical being, but also a spirit. Okay? And, and just in review, what, what we're taught about in the scripture is we were created, right? And we were living in the garden, Adam and Eve were. And whatever cool fruit they were eating, right, was keeping their body alive forever. No death, no sick. And because they were in the presence of God, they were going to spiritually live forever. Right? But as, as they chose sin and chose to go on path with Satan instead and go their own way, God told them, Okay, now you're separated, so you're spiritually dead now, and you're physically dying. And that's where it gets confusing about the future and now. There's, there's like, you're complicated, right? Did you need me to tell you that, that you're complicated? Or, or maybe not you, but the people around you, they're complicated, right? Did you need to hear that? I mean, husbands about wives, wives about husbands, and parents about children. I mean, we are complicated, and there's so many parts to us, so... We have to understand that you and I, right, if you, if you are to live forever spiritually, if you're beginning your eternal life spiritually now because you've been reconciled to the Father through Jesus, your spirit does not die. How are, I don't know, spirit, so you can get caught up in the details, okay? That part of you, that part of you, if you sit with someone and you watch them die and you see them change like that, you're like, whoa, something has changed. That, there's that part that's eternal. It's, it's left. And, and the body is left behind. So, so we are very complicated. So knowing that, that there's these aspects that you and I, without Jesus, we're, we're physically dying and we're spiritually dead or disconnected from the Father. Okay, does that... Not that does that... That doesn't necessarily make sense to you or me, but do you see what I'm saying? Do you hear what I'm saying? So that's our reality now. Depending on how you enter today, you might be spiritually disconnected from the Father still. So I would tell you you're spiritually dead and physically dying. Right? Some of you are taking enough ginkgo biloba, you're hoping you're not going to physically die, but good luck. It's just not going to happen, right? There's There's not an herb for that or green tea or anything like that, right? So... We keep trying that, and either it's keeping us alive forever or giving us cancer. We're not quite sure, but, but we keep trying. So, verse 26, back to John. For as the Father has life in himself, you see that? Eternal life is in the Father. As we connect with him, he is the source of all of our life. And only our separation from him has caused death to come in. So, our chance at returning to life is in the Father. And he goes on to say, so he has granted the Son, Jesus, also to have life in himself. Jacob, this is confusing to me, man. I don't know. Like, life in Jesus. What's that mean? Is it like your iPhone? You got to, like, plug in? Like a fortune cookie? <laughs> Crack up. Jesus, you got life in there? Let's, let's see. What's it mean? I mean, life in Jesus. If I'm supposed to be telling you and telling myself here, guys, you want to live. Do you want to really live? It's in Jesus. What does that mean? Everything good? Yeah. What's that? Drinking the living water. Yeah, do you see? Yeah, 
Well, the way that I'm understanding it, and you guys can, like I said, humble myself, man. I'm just a guy. Okay? But what, I, what I'm seeing is in Jesus and what he's doing and where he's at and what he's about, that's where living is. Okay? I read that in the scripture, but I'm watching it happen around me. Like, when we go against God, eventually what happens is, like, death comes in. And not only physical death, because that's going to come, but also death, right, to joy, death to relationships. I mean, haven't you seen that? Where you go the opposite way of Jesus, it doesn't lead you somewhere good long term. Is Is that fair to say? So in Jesus, not only is there eternal life supernaturally in Jesus, but like being with him, being abiding in him, Walking with him is the way in which you really live. But the world says, no, it's not. And, and Satan has been telling the world to say, them, say this to men and women since the garden. No, that's not life. This is. He's holding out on you. Do you see that? No, he's holding out on you. Life is not there with him. It's over here instead. And he doesn't want you to find it. He wants you to suffer with him. So he's saying, not only God had that, now he's claiming God's given that to Jesus, right? Which could be very blasphemous, because if you were a Jew at this time, you would be saying, who is this Jesus guy, and why is he saying that he is equal to God? I mean, this is the stuff that gets him killed. Verse 27, and he's given him, and he, God, has given him, Jesus, authority to execute Judgment because he is the son of man. There's another really complicated son of man. What's that mean to you? Anyone? Son of man? That phrase? He's a man? Born of flesh? Someone else say something here? Or did they? Okay. Well, check this out, okay? Judgment here, like I said, guys, we have a Sunday night church. It's a gathering of Jesus ninjas. You guys are welcome to come. We just dig deeper into this. And one of the things that came from our group is we, they looked up the word for judgment. And here, here the Greek word, actually what it means is, it can, it can mean a separating, a sundering. It could also mean selection or a judgment, an opinion or decision given. So what it's saying here is God has given Jesus the authority to separate. Because when we think of judgment, we think of this guy passing judgment, pointing his finger. And something that's really powerful, that as I was praying and really like, can I use the word meditating on that? Does that make you feel uncomfortable? Just like, Lord, as I'm going through my day, right, driving, and I'm like, Lord, tell me, how cool is this? Let me ask you, could God, could God be the judge of all this? Judge you and I and still do, do it right? Yeah, he's God. But how much more rich is it that Jesus did this? Because Jesus is all God, but he's also, he was also man. So for him to be the one to understand and to separate, how powerful is that? How cool is that that our God came down with us? The one true God. Not all the ones they make up, but the one true God loves you and I so much that he came down, he walked it out with us. Okay, we'll get back to that because that's really the entire point right there, okay? But we're not going to leave it there. We'll keep going. 
Verse 28, do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice, right? Tombs, buried, dead. The dead people will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Here's an important truth that you might not have got before when you read through this. Please understand, everyone is resurrected. Everyone. Now, what, and you can, we can complicate it, but really there's only two ways you're resurrected. Into life with God or into judgment. And Jesus is the separator, so he looks, at, he looks at each one of us and knows our heart and says, okay, you wanted to go with this group, and so I'll let you go with them, and you wanted to go with me, so you'll go with me into life. Now, let's go back to Revelation. We're going to read through this again. This was kind of the homework. If you were here, I was like, look at this again. Look at this again, because so many of us, we've, seen, we've heard stories, we've seen movies, we've, we've heard uh, you know, people try to orate what would happen or guess at the end of the world. But let's just look at what it says. Revelation 20, verse 1. There's a lot here, so follow along. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand. Okay, let's stop there. This is, a, this is John that's writing this, the same guy that's writing John. And, okay, did he, was it, it was a vision, dream, whatever you want to call that. He is seeing this 2,000 years ago. Give or take, right? He, and this is what he wrote down, the same guy that, that experienced all this with Jesus. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and great chain. Right? Angel coming down, key and chain. He sees the dragon. Who's the dragon? That ancient serpent. Oh, who's that? Who is the devil and Satan? See, the answer is it right there. Big, big chain, big key, grabs the dragon, Satan. And he bounds him. For a thousand years, and threw him into the pit, and shut it, and sealed it over him, so that he might deceive, not deceive the nations any longer. Okay, stop there. They've, they've taken Satan, so apparently Satan is out at this point in time. What is he up to? Deceiving the nations. Deceiving people. Yeah. And this angel comes, bounds him up, throws him in a pit for a thousand years so he can no longer do that. Seals it over him. Until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be released for a little while. So, okay, they're going to lock him in for a thousand years. Here's the debate. Is that literal thousand years? Does it mean that was a really long time? What, what did you say? God's timing, right? The point is he gets locked up, right? Good. It's, it's going to happen. Okay. After that, he must be released for a little while. Tell me about that. Then I saw thrones, and seated on them were those whom the authority to judge was committed. Also, I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or its image, and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. So who were some of the people with, going to be with Christ in his reign for a thousand years? Those people who were beheaded because they didn't go with the systems of the world. They didn't follow the Antichrist and get what they're calling the mark on their foreheads or their hands. What is it? 
That's an argument for a different time. Okay, right now, they didn't do it. Heads chopped off, brought back to life, right? And they, they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. And in verse 5, it says, but the rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. So that leads us to think if, if you were dead and in the grave of anything other than being beheaded at the end times here for going against the world systems, you stayed there for right now. The thousand years comes. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is, is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power, but they will be priest of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. So they're blessed because they died for what they believed. And then when the thousand years are ended, verse 7, Satan will be released, right? Let him out of there. I mean, is, it, is a guy walking, a dragon? I don't know, right? Satan gets out, and he will come out, and he'll deceive the nations. So all the people that are living at this point in time, he's going to go out, he's going to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle, and their number is like the sand of the sea. So all these people who, who were killed for what they believed, they, they live for a thousand years, and, and the population grows based on what we can tell. Satan gets out. He starts to go out to all the places where the people live, and he gathers enemies of God. And there's so many of them, it looks like the sand, right? It says right there, the sand of the sea. And they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints, So surrounded them, right? And the beloved city. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. So right there, the city of God, everyone's like, oh man, we're surrounded. Jesus, we're surrounded. And all of a sudden, fire from heaven came down, consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet were. So that's the end of it for Satan. Once he does that, The fire comes down and consumes his next army. He's taken, thrown into what they're calling the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet, they're already there. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Not good. What is that? I'm not even going to try to answer that right now. Not good. Can we agree? You guys over here, this call, not good. Who wants to go there? Anyone? No, not me. What about you guys here? Anyone's like, sounds great. Wait, wait, you guys over here, but wait, my friends told me it's going to be a great party there. I should go there instead. That doesn't sound like a great party, so I'm going to believe God in that. We don't want to go there. Verse 11, then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. Like, no earth, no sky, just this throne he sees. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. So he sees the throne He sees the people. It's great and small. All the people. Right? All the people. Great stand, big people, little people, significant people, insignificant people in culture, as if that exists. Everyone. And books were opened. What are those books? Well, it tells us, right? It it tells about all the deeds of men and women and all, all the things that we had done. 
Then another book was opened, which was the book of life. We've heard this talked about. What you want is to be your name to be listed in the book of life. These are the people with Jesus that are going into eternal life with him. This is where you want your name. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. So lots of debate about who's all there. All I know is they open all the books and they open the book of life. And from that, they know the separation happens, right? You guys are in the book of life. You've been following Jesus, so keep going into the resurrection of life. You guys have been following the world and all of its systems and all all the garbage it sold you, so you can go where all that goes. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. What does that mean? Not for today, but... Do you see the picture? Everyone. Everyone everywhere. Think of all the ways people have died and been buried. Right? All of those. And each one of them were judged. Each one of them according to what they'd done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. All of that, all of that to say, you can read that and form your own opinions. The way that I'm talking to you about it today is there is this judgment coming. And there's two things that happen. One is, one is uh, you will be judged for your works unless Jesus paid for them. Right? Right? That's the whole point. Like, what you want is this. What John says, I want you not to come into judgment, but to pass from death to life. That's what I want for me. That's what I want for you. And the way that is, is please understand life. I mean, we can get overly spiritual, but, but here's the thing. There's a payment for sin. There's a payment for rebellion. And it was death. The amazing thing is that Jesus paid that for you. And if you're his, it's not like, oh, you got off scot-free. There was nothing scot-free about that. He died for me and for you if we're his. So it was paid, so I don't have to pay it again. You see that? It's not that it's not being paid. The judgment is still coming, but it was poured out on Jesus instead of on you and I. That's why the cross was so torturous yet beautiful. That's why modern scientists look back and they're like, wait a second, but Jesus, you know, they died, they poked his side, water came out, his heart must have exploded. Okay, I don't know if that's true, but it makes sense. If he was just paying for the crap I've done and said, that would be really painful. But now multiply it amongst every man and woman who are his throughout time. And all at once, he pays for the, he pays the price for you and I, that's huge. And so I want in that, I don't want the lake of fire, whatever that is. And I don't want that for you. Okay, is your mind like, it's coming out of your ears? Yeah, Brandon, you good? Okay, we good? Okay, so this could be really scary. And, and where I think, where I think, we've gone wrong as people who are sharing the scripture with other people 
is, um, have you noticed how if, if you assume, if you take for granted the amazingness of Jesus, you know what ends up happening? You never really think that you need to be rescued or saved. I think you forget how far off you are and how amazing it is that Jesus would be here for you. Especially in our culture, in our time, where we feel so empowered and so important. I mean, we are a nation of millions of gods. And our God is the one we see in the mirror, right? Like, I fall into that. And not that other cultures haven't had that same problem, but I don't want to throw stones at them. I'd like to throw stones at us, because this is where we're at. So when you read this, we don't like to talk about that. We'd rather, we'd rather come up with stories and reasons why, no, us Christians, we're just like not there. We're like, we're like at Club Med, right? For, you know, if Club Med, if you get what I mean. If you're under 30, you might not get what I mean, but that was a joke back in the day. But comfortable, like if you were, if you were living the life of a YouTuber, okay, maybe like that, right? They think all the Christians are there, nothing ugly's happening. It's like, no, don't look. Don't look, Corey. You don't have to see all this. No, this is nasty. Whatever this lake of fire, it is not good. And, and one thing that I see literally is that I, I see this, okay, the whole like uh, generations. So you might have a grandparent, right, who culturally went to church. We see this in America right now and throughout the world. And so they made their kids go to church, but they didn't like it, and so when they grew up, they didn't take their kids. And now their kids, kids have had kids. And so pretty soon now they're like, Jesus, oh, that's the Christmas guy, right, with the feathered hair? Okay. Generations have gone away. Now imagine thousand years. What happens at the end, for sure, based on what you see here, is there is this group of people who will be killed because they don't go with what the world's saying. They're killed, heads cut off. Is that a metaphor? I don't know. I'm, I'm saying that's literally what's going to happen. And, and they're dead. And then Jesus raises them and they rule with him for a thousand years. Well, they have kids. And those kids have kids. And those kids are so far away from God, even though Jesus is their king, that they're deceived by Satan. And they march on this great city because evilness, because sin, because corruption is still in the world. And they say, your grandma's God is a bunch of crap. And they're so deceived that they march upon from all sides of the city and fire from heaven comes down. I mean, that's not a fun way to die, I don't imagine. And then they're all resurrected and judged. Get back here. Okay, you want a little bit more? I mean, this is not fun. Like, there should be a little bit of fear in you to say, like, we watered Jesus down. We're saying Jesus is just loving everyone. But this is the dude, fire from the sky, melting people. But he's God, so he's not just one thing like you and I can be. So we've gotten away from like the fear of God, but the scripture says here this. Proverbs 9.10 says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And why I'm bringing up that to you is I think we need a little, I, need, I think we need to reintroduce a little bit of that fear of God 
in us. I, I know a lot of you are going to pull from past things and you're not going to like what I'm saying here. But, but hold on. Do you see this? It's the beginning of wisdom. It's where you start. And why I believe that it is so important is you have to understand that everything good that you have, like you guys said over here, comes from the Lord, right? You said that. Everything good comes from God. But he gives us all those good things in spite of the fact that we rebel against him. And that's why Paul and the other guys who experienced it, they told us things like, do you guys understand? While we were still against him, he died for us. I mean, it'd be amazing if somebody who loved you and your friend would die for you. But how amazing is it that this Jesus who you were against, I mean, this guy was dying for the people that killed him. And so if you don't begin with the fact that this is the all-powerful God, and there should be a healthy respect and fear, like, oof, if I don't listen to him, it's not going to go well. That's where it starts. And then the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So the more we, we begin to know him and know his ways and transform our thinking, then we gain more understanding. But the first thing and where we have to start is a little bit of like humility, like, Lord, I, I don't know. But what I see, what I observe, is the pressure, the pressure within all of Christendom for all of us to know everything and be so smart. And that is not at all where the faith was founded. The faith was founded in a humility to say, whoa. So that's where we start. And then we do this, okay? Once we do that, once we begin to see like, wow, that judgment's coming. And look at, look at around me, all the good that God's done for me. Look at his patience. Look at that. In Romans, they're writing to the Christians in Rome who are trying to understand this too. Romans 2 Verse 4 says, Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience? What does that part mean? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience? What's that mean? What is it? You take him for granted? Yeah. Might I trust him? Okay. See those words there? Kindness? So do we, do we presume, do we take it for granted, the kindness of God? Do we, we just expect it? Or, or the forbearance, what's that mean? Right? What did you say? Long-suffering patience. He, he forbears. He doesn't just smash us right away. He lets us do the silly things for a while. Right? That's what they were saying. God's not slow to act, as some of you would call slow, but he's patient, Wanting that none of us, right, would really be, I'll use my own words, would be destroyed, but instead we would return to him. Like, he's patient. He doesn't smash you in the moment. 
even in your foolishness at times. And if he doesn't, it's because his wisdom and knowledge is to know he has a plan in your life and he's letting it care out. That's, that's forbearance. Do you just, do we just think he's just going to go with it? Do we think that he's going to be okay with, with the fact that my God is myself in America and he's just going to put up with it? Not knowing the second part is the reason why he's doing that. There's a big reason why he's doing all that. Because God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. All the amazing things that God does. Oh, man, Carson, why are the stars so beautiful? Right? So here's the question. Are they beautiful because we think they're beautiful or because God makes us think they're beautiful or because he knew we would think they were beautiful, so he made them beautiful? Right? What'd you say? They're just beautiful. But why are they so beautiful? Steve, this is telling us because he's so kind, because he wants you to return to him. He's showing off. The cloud, I didn't see him. Yeah. He said the clouds this morning were beautiful. Anyone else see that? Oh, what if we start, brothers and sisters, those who believe, what if we start to look at it this way? What he's saying is we should start by fearing God, man. He could take me out. Especially me, man, to stand up here and try to speak on his behalf. Who am I to be worthy of that? Like, no way. No way. Every kindness that he has shown me and shows me. What if every one of those was like a message like, Will, it's because I want you to be with me, in me, where I'm at. Like, drop the rest of it. All of this is a, is a screaming message that says, yes, I could destroy you, but I love you and I didn't. Instead, I've blessed you. But the reason I've done that is because I want you to come back to me. Yeah, but there's these things I want. I, I know, Will, but I'm telling you, man, life is not in those things. But I need, if you really need it, I'll give it to you. I mean, imagine that day in judgment if you're not thrown in the lake of fire. You're going to be like, woo, thank you, Lord, right? Like, okay, well, oh, I found your name. Go this way. And you're just like, what about Joey? He's like, oh, Joey, you're not in. Like, I mean, that day you're going to realize how amazing God is. is you'll be so grateful. In that network of churches that we're involved with, I've been dealing with these people who have come out of recovery. And it's a different mindset. I, I I don't mean that in a negative way, but it's a different mindset. But I had a guy call me and said, Pastor, I'm, I mean, I'm not his pastor. I'm just trying to pray for him and support him. But he said, he said, I was in the wilderness, man. He was the desert because he lives in Cordes. I went out in the desert and I was just praying for your church and for you. Like, that guy is so grateful. He says, I was on the streets seven years ago on drugs, and now I'm telling people about Jesus instead. That guy gets it. He knows the powerfulness of God and how that can come to destroy him. But the cozy folks like me who grew up in the nursery and preschool, you used to, we presume on his kindness. 
We just want to be comfortable, man. I can't be uncomfortable. So it's like, what if, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, maybe Corey, he's going to have to sweet kick us down before we'll humble ourselves. But I just like to think maybe sometimes we could take a knee ourselves. Maybe not, right? <laughs> and when he has humbled us, could we, could we draw from that and, and then be quick? Like, oh, you're right, Lord. I'm, oh, man, you're right. Because last time I remember what happened. The beginning. And then, oh, thank you, Lord. Your love, your kindness, your blessings. Yes, yes, yes. It's, it's meant to lead me to repentance. And that's why it's back to this. If we go back into John... This whole thing is Jesus' judge to kind of close this up. Here's what I wanted to share with you. Wow, right? Like, honestly, I never saw it like that before, but it's such a better plan that Jesus is the judge. Well, who am I to say God made a better plan? But if my little brain can see that it's a better plan, I'm like, oh, I, I could see a glimpse of it. But I get it now. Because unfortunately, like he is that powerful God, but he's also that loving Jesus at the same time. And now I see it because all this is coming together in my mind. And hopefully I can lay it out for you. But Jesus is the judge. And the reason why it is so wonderful is because he is God, man. He knows everything. He sees everything. He is outside time. But our God loved us so much, he came down. And in Hebrews 4, verse 15, the author writes, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize, or empathize, sorry, with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. How powerful is that? I mean, anyone just like anger comes after them? Jesus saw that. What about like lust? Like your physical desires outside of control. Man, who, you, you felt that? He gets it. What about like a substance, man? It just got a hold of you. Alcohol or drugs or food. What about fear and insecurity? Like, oh, he gets it. Like, like we have this high priest who empathizes with us. And he's been tempted in every way just as we are, yet, yet he did not sin. And here's the really cool thing about it. Okay. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Hey, would the praise team come back up? So sort of bring that all back in. There is a, there's a current and coming judgment. 
I mean, it's happening now. The Lord, right, he, he's disciplining, he's directing, he's moving. We, we reap what we sow. There's consequence. It's, there's a present judgment and there's a coming judgment. And we just read about it. And wow, it's real and it's awful. But it's also so important because you see, you see what happens? Even if we could make Jesus our king, as long as evil's in the world, it would find its way into the hearts of men and women and they would corrupt even an earthly kingdom run by Jesus. Like, it's going to play out. But there is a current and coming grace and mercy and forgiveness, and life. And that invitation to anyone who can hear this, if you're hearing these words, that's because God has put you in this place and opened your ears to hear it and your eyes to see it. Like, it's, it's Him. And what, what I, I want to do and I want you to do is I want to hear that and say, yeah, I... I block out all the noise of the world inviting me everywhere else and return to him for his grace, his mercy now and to come. So at the end of this sermon here, what I, what I would say is this, let's, let us, because of all of that, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So now they're going to play. You guys will play something quietly before they sing. Just a time to pray. To, to approach the throne of Christ. Ask, ask him. Ask him for his mercy. Ask him for help because I'm sure you have a need. Or I'm sure someone you know has a need. If not, pick one. Look on the news, okay? There's come to him with that need, with that mercy, with that humility. And just have that time with them. And then no, you don't have to it doesn't have to be Sunday for you to do this. Do it today. <laughs> You might have to do it later today, tomorrow, the next day, the next day, okay? But praise be to God. Let's just pray. Jesus, praise to you because, I mean, you are, you are worthy to be feared. You are worthy to be feared. And like Natalia said, man, if any of us try to elevate ourselves, we think we have it all figured out. We have no problem, then we're wrong. Instead, we, we humble ourselves before you, God, right now. I pray for all the people here, Lord. And we just come together and approach the throne, the throne of grace. And Lord, let me just start with help us, help our, our rich family here, Lord. Help us just to draw nearer to you. To walk with you, to follow you, to be in you where life is.
not to bring all the other sources of life, but to, to grab you, I pray, Lord. And I pray you would help our, our country. I know that we need your help. Lord, I pray that you'd help our world. Thanks to the tens of thousands of people that have died in Turkey and Lord, all the saints suffering across the world, Lord. People in Ukraine, all over the world, Lord, there's just so much need. We need you. We need your help. We need your mercy. We need your healing. We need your rescue. So, Lord, we just take this time to sit before you. Speak to us.